What's the game-changing realization that helped you build a high-performing team? That question is at the center of every episode of the HR Impact Show. Every HR professional wants to build a team that has empowered managers, engaged employees, and an organization that's striving to become elite. The challenge is that you're often told to do more with less. We're gonna fix that. Every week, we will feature executive and senior HR leaders from across the country, and they will share with us their actionable insights and best practices that can help empower you to create an engaged elite workforce. Here's the show. How do you build elite teams across geographical boundaries, borders, and cultures? I'm CT at Engage Rocket, and to help us answer that question today is Glenn Loveland. Glenn leads the people team at United Integrated Services, and he's an expert in expatriate management, immigration, and global mobility. In fact, he's actually lived in Beijing for 13 years, so it's a great privilege for me to welcome Glenn to the show. Hey, Glenn, thanks for joining us today. Hi, CT. Thank you so much for having me. I love the HR Impact podcast. I always learn so much by just hearing from different HR leaders about what their companies are doing. And I think that so much is changing in HR these days that we really need to stay on top of it. So I look forward to discussing these issues with you. Thank you very much uh, for those kind words and for being part of this uh, community of sharing. Maybe to start, do you mind sharing a little bit more about yourself, obviously your organization, and, and also how you got involved in building this expertise around expatriate management? So I've had an interesting career. My career actually started in public relations. I went from working at a Starbucks to being a congressional staffer. I was a press secretary in Washington, D.C. for seven years. And there's a lot of correlation, I think, with communications and HR. You need to figure out how to frame messages. You need to figure out how to explain complicated things. It doesn't matter if you're a recruiter trying to explain to a candidate about your industry, or if you're trying to explain complex leave policies like FMLA to an employee. So I really started my HR journey working for Pearson in Beijing. At that time, Pearson was a major education publisher. And so it was more on the learning and development side. And then I got an opportunity to work with the Walt Disney Company in Beijing. They were really scaling up their different businesses. And by that point, I had lived in Beijing for three years and they really needed someone to help all of these new expats that were going to be moving to China for the first time. Then after that, I joined CCTV in Beijing, became the first foreigner, an American no less, to be hired in their HR department, doing the same thing, bringing over expats, people who had worked at places like the BBC, CNN, Fox, Channel News Asia, and helping them with those things, as well as handling employee relations. Because when you're a foreigner working in a different culture and country, it can be quite challenging. I was there for seven years, and then I was contacted by a recruiter to join the project that I'm with now, which is called UIS. It is in Phoenix, Arizona. And UIS has been a partner with TSMC in Taiwan for more than 30 years, building the semiconductor fabs there. This is TSMC and UIS's first project together. 
in the United States. TSMC did build uh, a factory in Washington State uh, a while ago, but this is their first time cooperating. It is a $40 billion semiconductor plant that's being constructed here in Phoenix. Under huge scrutiny, President Biden has come. It's in the newspapers every single day. And as you can imagine, we have a number of expats working on this very fast-paced project. And we're only in phase one of six phases of construction. The construction alone is going to take 10 years. So I have built this unique profile of doing expatriate management and all the things that fall under that from visa applications to helping people get social security cards and set up bank accounts. So it's been an interesting journey. Right now at UIS, you're you're managing expats the other way. So from coming in from Taiwan or other places into the United States, is that correct? That's correct. The bulk of our expatriate hires are from Taiwan, but we also have people from mainland China, from Singapore, from Malaysia, from the UK, because this is just a project that really requires a lot of expertise. Building the semiconductor fabs is not easy. One of the main buyers of the chips made in Arizona will be Apple. And so it really requires the best and the brightest. You're also a communications trained HR specialist, which is very unusual in the space. Having to build teams of people from all around the world, different cultures, different languages. What have you found that has helped you to cross these borders and to pull teams of different people from different backgrounds together and function effectively? I think there's a couple of things. There's no quick fix solutions to this. It can be complicated, but a couple of things that crop to mind. One is the acronym KIS, which stands for keep it simple, stupid. I think that sometimes companies feel like when they need to communicate new initiatives or they're rolling out a new health insurance policy or something like that, they, they make it overly complex. People don't really have the time. And when you're also thinking about people who maybe English isn't their first language or just even different vernacular, different vocabulary, the more clean and simple you can keep it, the better. The second thing is I think in the, in the US, we like email. I would say over communicate because people use different mediums for communication. When I worked in China, everyone uses WeChat to communicate. They rarely check email. In a Taiwanese company, you use the messaging app Line. And so you have to use as many tools as possible, including in-person meetings, including hanging up posters in the office, because you really have to attack communication from multiple angles. I, I love how you've become so sensitized to different channels of communication beyond just the traditional email or Microsoft Teams or Slack. And have you found that it has been difficult for people in different cultures who have grown up familiar with one channel, but are now in a team with people who are familiar with other channels? Do you find that bridging that gap has been a challenge in your experience? 100%. And I would say beyond even being the cultural, sometimes there's the generation gap. 
a lot of millennials and Gen Z, they love using messaging apps where they can get immediate feedback. Whereas Gen X, baby boomers, they might prefer the traditional way that business used to be communicated at work via email and those methods. I think it's really important if you're recruiting someone, um, say an expat to come work in a company that has a more foreign or non-American culture to explain those things at the beginning. Hey, at this company, this is one of the main tools that they use. You will be expected to download it. You will be expected to check it. You're going to hear those pings. You might not like those pings, but that is how business is done here. And really, we all have to adapt. If you want to, the workforce is changing by leaps and bounds, and we need to stay on top of all these tools. And also, after the pandemic, a lot of people were proclaiming globalization is dead. Three years later, we're seeing the opposite of that is true. More and more companies are doing trade with each other. And I really think as HR professionals, we owe it to ourselves and the teams that we're working with to keep introducing and integrating and pushing these different tools. Those are great points. You brought up an interesting one where there, there may be formal and informal modes of communication and we can maybe tolerate communication across multiple different channels that people are familiar with in the informal realm, formal communications are still going to be maybe a little bit more traditional, like email, company communications on Teams or on uh, posters. Do you find that still to be true even when working with cross-cultural teams? It's interesting. When I worked at the Walt Disney Company in Beijing, something that Disney is quite well known for across all their global locations is doing all hands town hall meetings where you get some executives up on a stage, the employees are in the audience, and they can ask pretty much anything that they want to. And that kind of format, especially with some of our local managers in Beijing, that was really different and a little bit intimidating for them. When I worked at CCTV, we had a couple of important announcements to make. One was that for the first time ever, foreigners were going to be enrolled in China's social insurance program, which was actually a very big step for integration. Of course, that meant part of your salary is going to be diverted to this fund. And we knew that we needed to communicate that in a really clear and sensitive way. And I explained to the management, I don't think this is something we can do. This needs to be a mandatory meeting where we've got a PPT, we're explaining what's going on, we're letting people ask questions. Because I think especially when it comes to people's pocketbook, their salary, you have to be extra, extra sensitive there. So, And how, how did that go? In the end, what was the mode of communication that was preferred? How was the message received? Did you find that you needed to have different breakout groups? Pretty much the way that we handled that at CCTV was we did this meeting with me, a couple of our executives. We did an overview of what was happening. Part of what made that policy a little bit confusing for people was that one, if you're searching for information about legislation and laws in China as they pertain to foreigners, 
you're not necessarily going to find a lot of that on the internet in English, right? So that was a challenge for some of the staff to understand that. There was also the fact that the way that the Chinese government implemented that, it was up to each city in China to decide if they wanted to enroll foreigners in social insurance. So Beijing chose to do that. Cities like Dalian and Shanghai chose not to do that. And so most of our foreign staff was based in Beijing and were being paid through Beijing. So they were going to be enrolled. So there was definitely some confusion. Of course, there was some resentment. There was some anger. People didn't see the big picture of, wow, for the first time, the Chinese government is trying to actually make expats be part of the system here, which I thought was a really promising step. But then the people that still had concerns, we followed up with individually. Who bore the brunt of being responsible for these communications? I think HR, sometimes we're the bad guys, we're the fall guys for some of those things. But I also think employees ultimately realize that there's a lot of decisions that are made at much higher levels. And that decision truly was not a decision of CCTV executive management. That was something happening at much higher levels. It's also another reason it's important to build trust with your employees. HR mostly works with managers instead of employees, but the more that you can have that trust and that goodwill with those employees, when these things happen, which will inevitably happen, they understand it's not you, it's not the company, something else is going on. Wow, it's been a great conversation so far. Make sure you join the HR Impact community where we gather a community of HR leaders just like you. This is a space where top people leaders share actionable insights and practical playbooks. Sign up today as a member for the community, get updates on the latest HR resources and exclusive event invites. You can join the community at www.engagerocket.co slash HR impact. And now back to the show. Did you find that there was any difference at all being in an international company versus if you're in a purely American company, would there be any difference in communication strategy at all? I think it is universal. Some non-American foreign companies, the idea of being in a forum where an employee can ask any question unfiltered is a little bit scary. In Asia, we talk all the time. I think we talk too much about the concept of face, and I think it's a little overblown. There are concerns that if an employee is asking a question to an executive and they don't know, executives don't often know that minutia and those small details, they do rely on the other teams that are more closely working with that to know that. I would say as HR leaders, we've worked in different companies, we've worked in different landscapes. If you're trying to sell a novel idea to your management, pitch it as a pilot. Say, I know we haven't done this before. I know it's new. Could we just try it this one time or could we try it? When I worked at Disney, we didn't really have a very structured onboarding program. And I said, can we just try this for 90 days? We'll look at those employee survey results to see if we get better results. There was a, a monetary impact. There was a bottom line impact for the company. But after 90 days, what we saw, employees were rating that onboarding process better. 
And we were also seeing less turnover in those first 90 days. Because honestly, if you mess up that onboarding part, it's just, it's so hard to correct with employees later. I know Engage Rocket, this is what you all are really specialist in is that engagement part. Onboarding is so critical. The communication strategy level, it almost doesn't matter whether you're dealing with an international workforce or an American first workforce, but it come, when it comes to the block and tackling of the communication tactics and channels, that's where you need to be a little bit more flexible or open to different communication styles, how different messages are going to be received and how you should be communicating certain messages across channels. And would that kind of resonate with your experience so far? Absolutely. And the other thing that I would say is undoubtedly, there's a lot of people listening to this thinking, oh, this doesn't really apply to my company because we're very local. We don't have any expats. We don't plan to go international. But like I mentioned earlier, these concepts apply to generational divides because honestly gen z workers are really quite differently motivated than generation x for example as well as the fact we truly are becoming a more streamlined more international workforce uh, we are actually becoming a more global workforce. And so even if your company doesn't have expats right now, think about these things from the lens of generation gap. Americans are highly mobile. My sister grew up in New Mexico. When she moved and took a job in Minnesota, she discovered it was a very different culture. So you need to adapt to these things, even if you're just a purely local company. All the lessons that you have drawn from global workforce management, expatriate management, these sound very applicable to any organization where you have a diversity in your workforce, whether it's by generation, whether it's by even microcultures that exist within the American workforce. There are communication gaps between different microcultures. And this could be even location-based, whether you're East Coast, West Coast, somewhere in the Midwest, whatever it may be, people would still communicate in different ways. And using some of these core insights and principles, we stand a better chance of getting people on board with the changes that we're trying to make. If I could get you to break everything you've set down into a framework or a checklist for how you would communicate across cultures, I've got the three key things, the KISS principle, making sure that you over-communicate and making sure that if you have big changes, pilot them uh, in small ways first. Is there any other way you would break it down if you were to advise a chief people officer on communicating across cultures? I think that is great. Keep it simple, stupid. Keep it clear. Don't use fancy jargon. E even workforces have many different education levels. You're going to be working with some people that have a GED versus someone that has a PhD. Using multiple channels. One channel does not work uh, for just for communicating for one audience. And then truly the last thing that I would say, we need to keep brushing up on our skills. HR is changing so fast. There's new laws, there's new regulations coming out all the time. Listening to shows like HR Impact and others, gaining different perspectives, I think are so important for us to keep 
brushing up and being relevant because especially post COVID remote work, hybrid roles, all of this stuff, it's new and we have to, to figure it out together. Well said. And if people wanted to find you to follow up with any questions they may have, Glenn, what's the best way for them to do? I know on HR Impact, everyone says LinkedIn. So I think that's the best way. It's Glenn with one N, Loveland. And I'm always happy to connect with others and answer their questions and learn from you too. Thank you so much for hanging out with us today, Glenn. And for those of you who are listening, I hope you really enjoyed the show and learned a thing or two about managing across cultures. Make sure you drop us a review and tune in the next time on the HR Impact Show where we'll have more leadership insights for you uh, from HR. I'm CT, and it's been a pleasure having you. Thanks so much for listening. Thanks for listening to this episode of the HR Impact Show. We hope you liked the conversation. Don't forget to continue supporting us by joining the HR Impact community. You can find the community at www.engagerocket.co slash HR Impact. Tune in next time where we'll have another guest who's going to share with us the game-changing insights that help them build high-performing teams.